verging on greatness Halloween double feature with your ghoulish hosts Mad Mike Borgfeldt and cadaverous Craig Cerventi. <laughs> Hey, right. Yes. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Halloween 2022 and Craig and Mike are switching it up. Mike's Mike's recording in the morning. Mike's got his coffee, which means Craig's on the booze. I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> if we uh, if, yeah, if things get a little loose towards the towards the end, I've just revealed our secret. <laughs> I, I must admit I poured a very large drink. <laughs> That's good because we got we got a. Du- it's the season of the witch, yo. Well, we got, yeah, that's right. We got a double header. We got a double header to hit here. So we're back um, once again, folks. We are with, with the with the renegade master. Um, <laughs> D four damager, power <laughs> to the people. It's um, yeah, it's Halloween. So as, as as has been tradition for the last couple of years, we're gonna uh, crack in. We're coming at you with two a double two horror feature. movies, Halloween double feature, and um, we're doing two. We're gonna do two from the same. From the same series, uh, series same franchise, but yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street one and two, uh, which is yes, which is a yeah, a, a really interesting distinction. Some really interesting distinctions between these two. Um, they do some of the same things really interestingly, and uh, they also also go in some quite different directions. It's a, it's a, an interesting way to kick off the series. As as I will have mentioned uh, in previous Halloween podcasts, horrors is not really my genre i'm not a I'm not, oh is I'm it not, not? not a big I, I thought you were all about those horror films <laughs> i'm not that I'm not that into that not that well versed in the horror um genre so i might leave it to i'll leave it to craig to, to do oh. a bit more of the do a bit more of the context um uh, and, I'll, and, I'll admit i'm not the biggest horror fan either but i was a teenager in the uh, 80s and 90s yeah. and so a horror films is what you watched with your friends or yeah, right. what you took the girl you were dating to hoping that she might grab your hand and fright uh but rarely folks did that work out, so. <laughs> there's always the hope there's always the hope so um <laughs> most of the time it was just sweaty guys watching horror films for all the wrong reasons so, it's, it's a horrible it's a horrible outing i yeah. can't recommend it less and these so. so these two are these two are interesting as well because some are, a lot of what you associate with horror um and and that kind of yeah that really gratuitous kind of kind of business is, is not present in these they're a little bit early but they do they do pick up on a lot of a lot of the tropes and invent a lot of the tropes as well so it's 84 and 85 for these two movies come out yep. so they could they could not green light the second one fast yeah, enough it must so, it must have yeah. swung straight into production and oh. and i mean one of the obvious things about the horror genre is it's incredibly easy to make it's fast to film it's cheap to film yes so it's you cheap can, to make you can yep. just spit them out one after the other and and no one going i mean it's a bit like porn no one's really going for the plot yeah. and um you're going for cheap thrills uh the, the the horror films not the porn uh but i guess you could argue you're doing cheap thrills in that too but um specifically with horror films it, it's more about the the, the thrill the, the fun they get a little bit of a scare and have a laugh um and you and in order to make them you just need someone who's pretty handy with some fake blood maybe some practical effects and then you just need some good looking young people to throw at the meat grinder and johnny depp uh, lo and behold johnny depp throw johnny you don't get much you don't get much prettier than johnny depp pretty young johnny um, depp he's this guy looks like he's got a future ahead of him 
just throw him in boy does he um <laughs> i think he actually wanted to be a musician at this point so he 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 turned up to the auditions and i think he got cast because wes craven's daughter was like who's he he's pretty um and uh he got cast from that <laughs> but johnny depp playing straight uh after after decades of uh the uh captain jack sparrow yeah. affectation that he kind of has been doing since the early 2000s yeah. i guess um yeah it's it's bizarre seeing johnny depp play straight yeah. as an arrow just, yeah, just as the just boyfriend acting as a normal just kid, acting as a just normal a happy-go-lucky yeah happy-go-lucky happy kid, kid full of hopes yeah. and dreams full of hopes and dreams and then he just catches it dead um so so it's not but it's not the it's, it's kind of not the first like it's 84 where you think wow that's that's pretty early in in where this genre sits i mean you can go all the way back to like psycho and that but from the as, as far as the slasher type thing right what was what was first of the big friend a big slasher franchises i think that was halloween so halloween Halloween's was the first, first. when was, was halloween? the first john carpenter's halloween in 78 was the Damn. was the first of the slasher th- flicks and friday the 13th i think was either 79 or 80 uh oh, i'm so just looking that up of those if you think of those as the um, big three then elm street's actually third yeah elm street was certainly the third to come along and by by the point that uh friday the 13th by the time uh nightmare on elm street comes along it's the first of those franchises to actually go full supernatural with like the villain yeah um up until that point um all the villains were very very human characters monstrous characters but none of them like a supernatural presence a demonic presence as it were um and but this is yeah this is the first one to go okay this is a supernatural yeah. villain um and the rest were, were were people in masks effectively um 78 this seems so early i'm always i'm always surprised that alien came out in 79 that seems so far yep. ahead of its time it's 78 for halloween i guess with these with these it, it ties into a, a bit of a an alien alien is is, is more of a uh, kind of horror movie, movie than the the action type franchise that it evolved into from Aliens onwards as well. Certainly the it's, first, it's, certainly the first one is a yeah. horror film. It's it's a slasher yeah, in space. In a way, it's, so, yeah. it's more aligned with these than what it, what the, that franchise would go on to become. But um, that's right. I guess the this type of low budget cinema coming out of coming out of the seventies where everything was everything was huge and expensive it was godfather and apocalypse now massive yeah, it's kind the end of, of the auteur, auteur, era. auteur yep. visionary type movies and, and that's right the swing away from that was this you could make incredibly popular movies on an incredibly low budget and that suddenly that's became right. a became a way to turn a, a really tidy profit for the studios and it's, it's the yeah it's the it's the logical conclusion or the logical evolution from like pure up exploitation stuff so i mean it didn't invent yeah. it or genre pictures didn't it didn't invent genre but um through the 70s with the advent of like drive-ins yeah. and like uh, multiplexes and whatnot you just needed stuff in cinemas and if you could get teenagers in cinemas watching your flick regardless of what it was your genre flick um so you had the exploitation and later obviously the black exploitation yes um and and, but people would turn up plonk down money and go and see the film and more importantly they would come multiple times because the 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 the, probably the cinema going experience is more the the draw card than rather than whatever it is you happen to be watching but yeah um and then and then obviously 
by the mid 80s you've got vhs yeah. so movies at home so uh not only do you get to take you get to take two bites of that apple and so here we are horror films are cheap they're highly effective uh they're really relatively easy to make you can churn them out really fast and just just as an indication as to how fast you can churn these out uh nightmare on elm street one was barely in cinemas before they had greenlit the sequel and work on the sequel began before nightmare on elm street one had kind of wow. left the cinema <laughs> so it was yeah th- they were going really quick and the same the same is true of like the friday the 13th because those were even quicker to come out and in fact um, i can't remember the producer or the the studio head um in charge of um whatever whichever studio was behind uh the the friday the 13th movies but the the producer the producer in charge would basically just be getting a phone call going yeah give us another friday the 13th that that's good on the books and um and then boom another one would come out and it's no joke but um the new line cinema who made all of the friday the 13th movies it's called the house that freddie built because freddie um freddie movies is what got new line cinema the bank to eventually go and do something like lord of the rings so So, reading off wikipedia estimated budget for the first nightmare on elm street movies 1.1 million um, film, film was released on November 9th, 1984 and grossed $57 million. So you're getting a, a 50 to 1 return on, return on your investment. You can see how easy... That's got to be better than what they did with The Godfather, right? <laughs> so, like... <laughs> and you got to think, you got to think, like, the residuals on, on something like this, because it stars nobody. Like, none yeah. of these people are famous when this comes out. The biggest name in this was Robert Eglund. Yeah. Um, and, and that's only because he was a reoccurring uh, character in a TV show. Um, might have been like L.A. Law or something like right. that. Uh, and he was playing well and truly against type when this came out. Uh, he was definitely not the, the, the villain. Um, he was comedic relief, if anything. But yeah, now now he is forever linked to horror films. Um, mm. So much so that in the fourth season of the just aired Stranger Things, that has a very Nightmare on Elm Street vibe to it. Robert Eglund, England turns up as oh, really? a cameo, and it's like, and then it's like, hey kids, you know, point, you know, big yeah. arrows point. It's Robert England. One so. of the things when I was researching this, I read in the, when they came to do the second one, they originally thought, why are we, why are we paying this actor? Why don't we just, why don't we just get a nobody? He's in a mask. Nobody can tell it's him. Nobody but can they, tell it's him. They, they, within after shooting like a single scene, they they realized that you you actually needed that actor's ability to. And acting's not just about your face. Who would have thought? Shocker! Uh, that, <laughs> the, the the person had no idea how to move his body in a menacing way, and so they got straight on the phone to Robert England and said, "Uh, actually, acquiesced yeah. to his demands, paid his paycheck, and got him to came yeah. back." Yeah. What, yeah, he was, what he was I asking think, for um, must have been peanuts compared to what they knew they would make. <laughs> oh my God. He, maybe all he was asking for was a, he, he saw the receipts and he was like, <laughs> I need a cut of that yeah. fucking movie check. Uh, I don't want an actor's check. I want to see some of the residuals or I want to see some um, of the end product. Yeah. yeah. And he probably would have got it after this. I, I, I highly doubt Robert England needs to work now. Yeah. He's probably still living on Freddie money. So he made nine mm. of these fucking movies um and, it's, and we're only going to talk about two of them and it's so. it's actually interesting and we'll get to, we'll get to it later on they use him quite differently in the second compared to the first and you can see oh whether... wow and by the third and the fourth he's 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 
he has more screen time seemingly than any of the other main characters the first one is much more of a jaws alien type situation where he's mostly he's mostly menacing in his absence Uh, by the by by the third act of the second one he is actually tearing through an entire pool party worth of of Whereas many of the teenagers are taller, taller yeah. than him, so yeah, so they, they they really need his really need his performance to to sell that. And honestly, it still doesn't work that well. But um, no, he, yeah, uh, he the pool party sequence in the second one is possibly one of the weakest things yeah, about that film. I can and, see why they I can um, see why they that would have been even worse if that if that had an actor kind of prancing around who didn't know how to <laughs> didn't know how to move his body. In a, in a, in a uh, it's, it's just bizarre and they contrived like the the thing about um so i mean having seen a few of these things like a jason style uh slasher who who becomes the supernatural being by the end of the fourth or the fifth one i forget which fucking one but he's just unkillable now um and he by the end of the by the end of that he would have killed a whole pool party full of of yeah. uh, drinking teens but um yeah freddie is is not that kind of like uh, take on a room full of teenagers kind of killer he's the kill you in an elaborate way and with a with a pun at the end where he says you know he'll, he'll squish you like a bug or something yeah. like that or yeah that's that's the appeal of freddy not not this other not this other like kill a bunch of teens at yeah a pool it's party not raw it's not raw power it's psychological no it's it's psychological the mind is the killer sort of thing you know give me parakeets that explode <laughs> Demon parakeets. That's what the world needs more of, Mike. Demon parakeets. Um. So where do you, where do you want to start on these on these movies? Um. So I guess we should start with the first one. So the first one, first one doesn't. Uh. I, I guess it's, it does an interesting thing. It's a bit of a slow boil. It like is, it takes a little while to get started. That was. And then... Yeah. I was surprised watching the first one, and I've never seen any of these. I was surprised watching the first one, and it, uh, the first thing that surprised me was how tame it is. And I guess this is by modern standards, and this is what Game of Thrones oh, yeah. type thing has done. Yeah. That I was expecting more, more violence and more nudity. Uh, it has very little of either. Actually, there's one. One I... one really violent scene, which is it, it kind of that exorcist type of of cinema, where where she's she's up on the roof and she's getting kind Amanda of, Weiss going yeah. up on the roof. Yeah, that's amazing. It's very very it's very very good. It's very effective. Yeah, so they built a whole gimbal, yeah. and it, it it flips upside down, and he's locked in place, on, and yeah. she's yeah, and then she's just literally sliding down the wall, like it's it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, these movies are cheap to make, but it doesn't mean that they're low on effort. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so, there's only actually how many how many people are actually killed in the first? Is it three? It's three, three plus one. Tina, the, Tina, Rod, Tina, Rod, um, Glenn, Johnny uh, Depp, Johnny Depp. Yeah, and then the mother. Oh, the mother at the yeah at the through yeah. the through the at yeah. the end through the door. Um, yeah. Which the more you watch, the sillier it gets. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's, the first time you see it, like, what the hell happened? But then by the third time you're watching it, is, is that a blow-up doll that's being pulled through the window? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're watching it again and again, and it just gets better every time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, so it does, it does that interesting thing where the, the first character that you meet is not the main character. You, you're yes. most, you, it starts on Tina, you're most close to her, and then um, she, she dies. It's 18 minutes in. Is, is her death and um then so then you and then the focus the six. focus switches which is a very psycho um yeah you know psycho thing 
It's, it's I mean, un- Psycho kind of invented the style of film, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, it, it took them a little while to evolve to the point where they're just like, well, we don't need to have the the build up, and we don't need to have the resolution. We can just have the shower scene three times in a film, yeah, and then get to resolution. Like that's the thrill. Yeah. Let's have more of that. So it's pretty pretty efficient filmmaking when you think about it, because like it's really just about getting. Get, I mean, when you really want to boil it down filming filmmaking is really just about getting bums and seats like for the most of hollywood like not everything needs to be an art film not everything needs to be schindler's list if the idea is just to get people to your cinema to watch your film these fucking films are genius like just like it, it achieves exactly what you want you you want three times janet lee getting stabbed in yep. the shower a little hint of boob and then boom it teenagers for it will be lining up around the block come summertime yeah. to watch this yeah yeah it's it's exploitative it's derivative and highly effective yeah so. yeah um and I, I think also they the modern modern uh, superhero films borrow yeah, a little sure. bit from the 80s thriller um, uh, slasher films it's not dissimilar in its concept it's like these high concept ideas and you just keep cranking out you 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 recycle the idea package it a little bit differently put some different actors in it and then push it back out it's not not dissimilar so yeah uh sorry i keep Mike, give the, Carry yeah. on, Mike. establish what the audience wants and then give it to them in a slightly different way yeah hit those same story beats every time um so yeah so you switch from so t- you start on tina she's she dies about 18 minutes in and then you switch to nancy and then nancy carries you through the rest uh. of the the rest of the movie she's the the last girl um, she's the last girl uh, a couple of other so and heather heather langenkamp langen camp is the last girl three times oh really the, does she come back in the nightmare on elm street yeah so she doesn't come back in the sequel but she does come back in the third one and dies and then they reboot the entire thing and give it like a like a, a meta narrative by a new west craven's a new nightmare and she's back in oh it. interesting yeah 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 she's fun yeah so her so the the next person to die is rod who is tina's boyfriend um uh, and then it's and then it's it's glenn nancy's boyfriend yeah um the god what is up with the rod tina relationship (laughs) (laughs) that is my note here was every bully in the 80s was like was going to kill you without provocation at any point for any reason (laughs) (laughs) he like he, within 30 seconds, <laughs> he is he is stalking around in the backyard, pulling a knife on Pulling them. a knife, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. she's dragging, he, or he's dragging her, or she's, they're heading upstairs anyway. Tina heads upstairs with him. <sighs> I think, I think I that know. was, again, that's, that, that slight subversion of, of the genre, because um, that's the kind of character who would be the killer in any normal film. He would be this delinquent mm. teenager who's running around with a knife and then uh I, my other note here was if a friend in air quotes pulled a knife on me i would not consider them part of my social circle after that so <laughs> just need to tell you this mike if you pull a knife on me i'm not sure this podcast can continue yeah i would have thought so. that too there's yeah so that, i think you think <laughs> that was the 80s maybe you're right they're going there's, there's something in the characters that they're trying to establish where they they want it yeah. they want a bad boy and, he, and wes craven does this years later and scream where he sets yes, he up does. he sets up a good boy and a bad boy and you assume the bad boy is the killer 
Um, ah, <laughs> then he subverts your and expectations. Then he, and then he subverts your expectations. So I think he's going for, yeah, he's he's going for something like that, where he's just trying to, he's just tossing these, tossing these um, kind of characterizations, these archetypes together, but it it comes off very un, very unsettling that. That Tina and I Tina mean, we're and, not making we're not making high art here. We just need to get some sexy teens together in compromising situations as quickly as possible, yeah. right? So it's like, uh, and we we have to fulfill those those expectations that the audience has. Like, have they been drinking? Is there drugs involved? Or and or have they had sex? Yes, yes, whatever. Yeah, cool. They're they're ripe for killing. Are they? They've, they've done bad. Are they so, threatening violence against yeah, against are they their friends, violence friends yeah. and or lovers? <laughs> which 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 then so so obviously she dies in graphic effect and then uh shortly thereafter todd dies um in in uh less graphic effect but he is he is uh, presumably strangled is that, is that he... rod or todd because i've i've i switched between rod and todd I, I can't, <laughs> they're both I, the, I can't, no it's, it's both rod. The, the kids of it's they're both flanders kids right it's rod, rod and todd. todd yeah no i <laughs> yeah. i wrote down one then the other and then i realized i wasn't getting it right and i did the same with gina and tina it's rod right it's rod yeah so rod then supposedly commits suicide in the prison cell um and then uh next thing you know um it's the next the next victim is um uh johnny depp glenn 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 is the next victim which is odd because glenn has didn't drink didn't do drugs mm. didn't have sex he he wanted to but she was very chaste about the situation um which is kind of weird they were there to they couldn't have sex because they were there to look after tina while she or something like that or she, he felt weird Rod. about it yeah yeah violent violent angry sex we're here you know. we're here to look after we're here in case anything in case the guy who just pulled a knife on tina does something weird things uh, who knows what yeah more. and then very defensive of him when the police are like, mean, like yeah. yeah he's got a criminal record and he had a knife yeah. like no i don't think it was him. i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then um I, my other note here is there's a lot of absent parents or, or disengaged parents and um it definitely looks like uh nancy's parents have separated so like, yeah uh, he's the cop and she's drinking at home yeah um yeah and then it, it transpires that uh freddie was actually uh, a, a a child murderer that a bunch of the parents on elm street got together and you know just straight up immolated in a fucking basement somewhere yeah um sure do hope that he was in he was guilty because otherwise it just torched an innocent man which might have made a nice twist for the film like you know it was actually john saxon all along Ooh. he's the killer uh and then he's just coming back to stake out revenge mm. i've got your reboot all ready for you hollywood come and come and come and knock and mike and i will write that shit so <laughs> <laughs> i've read a william goldman book i know what's up yeah we could churn that out um yeah so so he's yeah he's burned in the boiler room by the parents and so he's coming back and so the yeah the the revenge is so the revenge is on the parents who burned him but he's taking the revenge yep. on their the children children which is which is exactly what he's doing in the first place he was murdering children yeah yeah so now he's yeah it's it, it doesn't pay to think too hard about it they're, they're obviously not no. not working that was another no. thing, that was another thing i was surprised by i thought they'd put a little more effort into um you know I, and I, maybe this is a more modern thing where you you do 
there is a bit more cause and effect to to the reason the the reason the villain is there and that yeah. cause and effect uh comes into play in the final act and in the overcoming of the of the enemy where the all that happens in this is a, it's a throwaway line from glenn uh and and when in a chat he's having about the midpoint with nancy where he talks about i think it's the is it the balinese Oh, yes. um, and how yeah. they they take it they remove the power of nightmares by by turning away from them um which she she does at the end to to overcome freddy as he's as he's 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 just killed glenn he's just killed her mum and then he's coming after her and she turns away and he he disappears into nothing although of course mm. the, the the twist Dirty, the, final, the final twist is that is that she jumps into the car and and he pops the hood over the top but the hood is the with the red and the green red and green stripes yep. and he's in the yeah so he's he's still there all along yeah and it's and it could all still yeah. it could all still be a dream it could all still be a dream it's the uh uh inception of its time is it a dream it is, is she dreaming it, it is yeah. yeah what do you think yeah because seemingly he has the power to bring back the dead in that sequence because tina and rod are in the car as well and everyone's happy families what do you think about how they do the how that that because that's one of the strengths of the film of this and, it, and as you say compared to other ones where it is just a a, a kind of unkillable mod, uh, behemoth, monster, yeah. monster kind of behemoth yeah what do you think about yeah. how the, that psychological the dream reality type stuff plays out in this love it i think it's great because um i think it's 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 a novel take it's a it's a cool spin um i think it's limited by its budget not by its imagination yeah. so i think if this had been the kind of film that like by the time you get to the third and fourth ones they're actually having a lot of fun with the dream world stuff and i can talk about that briefly later but it i still think the i still think the third one in particular which is written by motherfucking frank durabount um mm. you know shawshank redemption mm. frank durabount and we talked about the other film he did, The Blob, which actually takes a lot of the conventions of these films and really goes to town on subverting your expectations, which makes that film much more fun to talk about uh, having, you know, having the experience of time and a lot of movies under my belt mm. than when I first watched it. And I was like, this is good, but weird. And I don't understand. Now yeah. I watch it and I go, oh, this is fun. And I understand why I like this now. Um I think that the whole dreamscape thing, the whole dream reality, like there's so much metatextual fun to have with that concept. And it's clear that the, the producers thought so too, because they just keep churning these films yeah. out until people got bored of the weirdness and wanted to move on to something else. Yeah. So by, by the time these films fall out of favor, it's the 90s. We've had, um, we've had uh, Silence of the Lambs. People don't want supernatural weirdo killers anymore. They want to see uh, what we've eventually now wound up with on Netflix, ultra-realistic films about real monsters mm. uh, and, and the crimes they committed. That is that is the new hotness. Yep. Freddy does not fit in that world. Yeah. But, hey, everything swings and roundabouts in Hollywood. The scream, there's, I mean, this final, final Destination is pretty big in the 2000s. That's supernatural. Yeah. Like, that's a supernatural thing. Like, there's a, there's a consistency in the world. Um, there's a... There's a way to there's an order to things like there's rules that can be bent and occasionally uh, occasionally uh, avoided, but 
ultimately the rules stay consistent yeah um and in this movie it sets up a bunch of rules it, it, it adheres to its own internal logic but the second one which we should probably move on to relatively soon yeah. the second one ignores a lot of those conventions which probably as good yeah, ignores a lot of those conventions and does its own thing what's the what's the other what's the other franchise i'm going to show my lack of knowledge about horror here the other franchise where it's someone stuck in a stuck in a room and they've got a um he's got a he's got a true saw saw thank you then it's it's yeah saw. that's torture porn Tor- so yeah. all of those films are torture porn and the other one that came out around the same time is uh hostile so it's like really graphic depictions of like you know um you know gut churning sort of awfulness like these decisions that you have to make like uh there's uh, i can't i haven't seen many of the saw films i've seen the original one which is actually good fun um and i've seen the original hostile which is not good fun um but yeah, Saw films get weird, and it's got its own it's got its own mythology as well. I haven't seen many of them. There's a there's a new one, but yeah, it, all of these films share it. Like that's the thing that makes them great. They one they have a, a mythos and they have a story. Again, that superhero storytelling type thing, that connected universe. Uh, and two, they have an internal logic that they follow, and that it goes from film to film. And like if it, if it's applicable here, it's applicable there. And like you know what yeah. you're getting when you're going to yeah. a Saw film. You're gonna you're gonna get some you're gonna get some fun stuff. Yeah. You're gonna get some fun torture trap stuff that you can feel creepy about afterwards. Like, Ugh, it makes yeah, your skin yeah. crawl. Um, yeah, yeah, last, yeah. Last thing I'll say about one Nightmare on Elm Street one, which I which I thought was good, was the um the the third act and the 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 last encounter with Freddy and the setting up of the booby traps, that Home Alone, oh, yes. the Home Alone, the Home Alone style thing type thing. I thought. Yeah, I, I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> I liked. I liked that. I thought that was a yeah. It, it was effective for the third act, and it, it's going to make sense why I'm pointing that out when we get to the second one. But it's I liked I liked the casting. I like I think Freddie uh, Robert Eng- England is great um, yep. as Freddie. He's he's fun. He's fun to watch. He, he's clearly relishing in that role. Yeah. Um, I I think Heather uh, Langenkamp very weird pick for a final girl. She's got that bookish librarian yeah. thing down to a fucking fine art, yeah. but she's—I've got to say—in this, she's not a particularly convincing actress. Like you never feel ultimately very compelled by her. No. But uh, I think that wide-eyed, that wide-eyed doe thing she does, and she does that like slow realization thing really well. By the time the the, the third film and the, the the last a new nightmare comes out, she's she's a solid actress really? in all of those. Um, yeah, she she evolves great. Johnny Depp, like honestly, he was watching him in this. It's like no wonder he's a star. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, it's wild. He's wild in this. He's, yeah, he's 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 barely he's barely doing anything. Like you said, he's playing. Yeah, he's, playing he's as, just he's playing as straight as he can, and he's still yeah, he's, he's, still he's just up. he's just good looking candy, yeah. eye candy in the corner. Yeah. So. Every every scene he is in, you want to watch. When he's in the in the crop top, and he's. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of he's he's getting the crop top. There's a little bit of midriff showing. I'm like, oh man, oh, Johnny Depp, that's a look. I'm living for it, mate. I wish I could pull that off. No one wants to see a middle aged man's hairy belly in a crop top, but boy howdy, yeah, <laughs> I wish I could pull that off. Yeah, he, that's that's just how he that's that's his hanging out at home outfit. Like that's that's wild. <laughs> I want that look. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. <laughs> really good oh i do i do love his death that being pulled into the bed thing and uh, like the tv and everything getting pulled in and i love how all the teenagers like if they've got all those those bad um those bad sleep 
uh, habits. They've got a TV, they're listening to something. They've got all these, they're totally hooked in. And parents today, parents today, my child is hooked into the internet 24-7. Well, fuck you. In the (laughs) 80s, you had your headset on, you had your TV by the bed, you had your telephone that you were calling people at all hours of the night and day. You're just fucking jealous. You don't understand TikTok. Shut the fuck up. And then Kate falls asleep with a, a CRT telly on his lap in the bed <laughs> <laughs> not a laptop it's a wonder he didn't electrocute phone, himself a but, CR, those yeah, things a are heavy a, a fucking 14-inch television <laughs> you could kill someone by swinging that around he's watching it anyway. while he's listening to something completely different on the headphones. oh mike we have to do this nighttime for me thing every time baby i'm just on fire today let's do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the blue the blue light the blue light that he is getting. He is not sleeping well. Yeah. No, sir. All right. So second movie. Anyway, so second movie. So it's, second so movie. It's, second it's, movie. It's 1985. We're a little older. We're a little wiser. Um, Bob Shay has gotten the gotten the nod. Uh, has given the nod to make another one of these movies as quickly as possible. Yeah. Boy, does New Line need the money. So Wes Wes Craven's got nothing to do with. This. he almost ref- i think he refused to come back you, like he was like i'm not doing this have you re- have you how, how did that pan out do you have you researched that yeah uh, so i think i think they asked him to come back and he said no uh, or he wanted he had some ideas and he he wanted a lot more money or he wanted to make some other film and they said no um and he was like well fine thank you very much uh nice nice to meet you and went off and did his own things um i think think he goes off and makes uh not nightmare on street 2 uh the next film that comes out is a movie called i think just by timing it came out it was actually made many years earlier the hills have eyes 2 okay um and the next thing he makes is um chiller and then um he does a, a, a magical world of disney episode and then deadly friend um and then he does a couple episodes of the twilight zone he's involved in that mm. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's a few years before he's back making, before he's back involved with another Nightmare on Elm Street film, but he comes back as a writer in the third one. Um, so he contributed to the story on the third, uh, the third one, but yeah, that was in 87. Yeah. So, um, a full four, a full three years later, but by that point they're, they're churning these films out as yeah. fast as they can. So they do, so they really, they, they, they twist they do, they do quite a twist on the on the idea that worked so well in the first one for number two. The script is quite different and the approach to yep. Freddy is quite different um, rather than rather than killing people in their dreams. He is actually acting through the protagonist and, and the protagonist is he, he's it's, it's not quite clear, but he's, he's either he's, a conduit for Freddy to enact um v- villainy or he is actually um he is actually manifesting as the protagonist and manifesting yeah. villainy yeah yeah um so they uh the main so the main character's name is jesse um so that so that's i mean that's the first thing is it's it's no longer a, a final girl it's a final boy it's a final boy um he's a scream king instead of a scream queen yeah yeah and yeah. um the the first thing that that leaps out is um if you read the wikipedia page and certainly watching the movie is the the homoeroticism um that is that oh is boy. rife in in the movie <laughs> it's uh yeah there's a lot um 
a lot of that and i guess they're taking that taking that the, the sexuality as the um that sexual as the, awakening yeah, as, the, as the not the problem but the the more the morality of the first one centers around these promiscuous teens uh and this yeah. one they're, they're, they're taking a bit of a different take on it it's unclear from from what i can tell and and the interpretations have evolved over the years as you as you look back on it and i guess it's an interesting kind of way of observing the way uh attitudes to homosexuality have changed from 1985 to now where yeah. uh there was a lot of denial that that there was this subtext from some of the cr- oh, some yeah. of the creators um at the time when this was made <laughs> it's plain as day interviews. uh yeah <laughs> but it, it is it is plain as day from part- i mean particularly the 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 murder of the um the coach is it ron oh the coach I was th- i'm yep. thinking of the, i'm thinking of the coach but i mean it's it's coach all schneider it's all over yep. the place coach coach schneider yeah, coach schneider is, gets because so literally coach schneider is found in an snm what's what's called a gay snm bar yeah and then he's in literally a leather daddy outfit or, or the budjo version of the leather leather daddy outfit tell me you're poor without telling me you're poor yeah and um he and then he takes jesse back to the gym um to work him out and there's a whole lot of sweat and mist and uh running around in the gym and then it's hit the showers and the next thing you know um coach snyder is getting blasted in the face with balls no subtext there whatsoever and then uh the very next thing is coach snyder is being strung up by skipping ropes but yeah that's sports balls just to be clear basketballs to the face uh, uh and then he's being strung up in the shower with skipping rope in the shower skipping rope naked in the shower naked and being butt naked spanked and then being whipped in the ass with a, spanked with a wet towel <laughs> i mean uh i don't know what film these other people were watching but uh that's got homoerotic written yeah. all over it, it and, how does he uh, actually how does how's the how's the death strike actually it's it's a slashing across the back isn't it or is he choked yeah he gets is he sl- choked or am i associating the... that with rod because rod is choked in the first one <laughs> rod is he's, choked he's, in the first one yeah. he's strung up because it's made to look like a suicide strung up by that's the right. sheets yeah maybe maybe uh maybe robert uh, maybe freddie was involved in um Jer- uh, jeffrey epstein's murder uh i mean so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> where was freddie on that and night? so and so jesse jesse is in the shower watching while this is yeah while just, this is just going chilling on. yeah um, just like so oh okay i think i'm into this is he yeah. yeah the suggestion is he is he actually acting this or is he is he watching it's 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 not that clear it's um earlier earlier on he has a a bare-assed wrestle with a um a very another bloke young man. Uh, another bloke in yeah. the school who is uh, comes across as a bit of a bully but they do wind up being friends because they they go through this punishment together um Shirt, shirtless the friends they're friends yeah. enough that they can be shirtless around one another um jesse's jesse's shirtless for so much of this large chunks so of much this. of this movie yeah uh, yeah yeah I mean, he looks great. Don't get me wrong. They both look fantastic. If I looked like that, I'd walk around. Oh yeah, man. Just go down to the local supermarket. I'd be like, yeah, I'll have that uh, that bottle of hot sauce. Am I, am I going shit? Whipped cream. Shirt, Bring me some of that whipped shirtless cream. or yeah. crop top to the to the supermarket today. So oh, that's a tough call. Tough decisions. I don't know. Maybe both. 
Maybe I'll take the sh maybe I'll take could, the crop top off when I got could, there. Oh yeah, that's an option. The power move, a... <laughs> yeah, just at the just at the counter. In the <laughs> in the dairy aisle, <laughs> hot hot in here. Just just get just get a cold bottle or something and rub it against my face, uh, sir. It's eight degrees in here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I like chillblains. Fuck off. <laughs> I guess so. The yeah, but it's it's interesting that they so the. The, the movie is about his so jesse is he wrestles he's struggling so freddie is acting through him and he is he yep. is trying to and literally fight at one back. point freddie's knives come out of jesse's fingers and like he literally emerges from jesse like a, a meat yeah plant. yeah and um, he's yeah he's so it's one of these kind of the conflict is the conflict jesse's the protagonist and the conflict with him is, is almost entirely internal he has he has on screen you know interactions with freddie but none of the none of the action sequences show show a conflict with with him so which makes it really so it's, it's a difficult it's difficult to engage with those sequences because mm. because of this challenge and anytime you have this you have this kind of psychological a, 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 a malevolent force working through an individual who is your who is your protagonist who is the one you're meant to be rooting for you you get this this challenge in the filmmaking where you've got to you've got to find a way to to have that person be relatable while they are doing mm, while they are mm. performing the evil thing while they're performing the evil thing. and, and yep. particularly it, it particularly falls apart when you get to the third act um and you've got to have um jesse slash freddie you've got to find someone for him to fight against because Freddie's taken over almost completely at this point. Uh, and then it becomes about the, the love interest, Lisa mm. and trying to, you know, she's, she's trying to, uh, draw Jesse out from Freddie, who has completely taken Freddy. over this point. Um, he has, um, yeah. So I, I guess we should dial back to how, how we get to there. So, um, after Schneider, um, there's a, a, a pool party at Lisa's house and, um, oh, Jesse, 80s pool parties, man, Jesse, and, Jesse and Lisa have an encounter at the pool party, but Jesse is being taken over. And as they are, as they are getting down to business, Jesse's, uh, you know, he has a, a supernatural kind of tongue emerges from, from his mouth and he becomes terrified that he's going to get taken over and he's going to hurt Lisa so he so he, he runs off flees, to his boyfriend's house flees this encounter with lisa and goes to grady who is the um the handsome handsome bloke um and grady actually literally he, he tells I think, him i think we need to call him what he is he's a he's a thirst trap he's a, he's a, yeah he's an absolute thirst yes trap. that is a, a <laughs> who is somehow rather more shirtless than um than jesse yeah is, that's a if fitting that's description. At all possible. so his his, oh. his best option is his best option is to go to grady and he describes to Grady what's happening, and Grady and he needs to stay the night. Grady, yeah, Grady literally says, "So you came, you came, you want to sleep with me instead?" <laughs> Not gay, Mike. Not gay. No, no subtext. Um, but then, then, yeah, th that's the point. So that's the scene where Freddie fully emerges, literally. Were people in the eighties just dumb? Like I don't get it. Like. <laughs> Were people watching this movie going, no, no, there's clearly no gay subtext here, son. Uh, this is as manly as iron working or butchers. <laughs> I don't know. Woodworking. That's that's manly stuff, son. 
yeah oil 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 refinery that's yeah. manly manly yep. yeah no no gay shit here yeah uh what the fuck none of that <laughs> none of that so he, he literally emerges from jesse and in, in, in a really um a really impressive uh wait who emerges from jesse exactly freddie Freddy. Freddy emerges from jesse sorry <laughs> uh and, grady and murders like, murders grady and and then he, he freddie appears fully manifest at the party and that's this is the point where we, we talked about in the first one where he is he is literally just 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 stalking around um the as, as these, as these teens are screaming yeah. and trying to run away uh, he, and he's able to manifest a bunch of a bunch of things in the environment as well. He electrifies or he heats up the fence around the, the pool so, so nobody nobody yep. can escape. So he can kind of pick them off at will. He doesn't actually, you know, there's about there's a good forty people at this party. I think only maybe yeah maybe three or four are actually killed. There's yeah there's a few deaths. I I, I quickly lost I quickly lost count or or, or the will to count the the death it's again, again as i'm as we mentioned for the first it's relatively low grade compared to what you would have now there's definitely more violence in yeah. this one like the violence is is definitely more present yeah. and gratuitous uh, a lot more male nudity which is yeah. which is strange um but it must but yeah it, it was um, obviously a hard sequence to film that pool party sequence i think i think all of it was hard to film i, I think i think this film was troubled as well i, I think uh one they couldn't get uh, Robert Englund back because um, he naturally wanted more money because yep. he saw the receipts that the first one made and then suddenly they were like nah uh, you barely see Freddy anyway and it's just a mask so anyone could do that and they had they had a, a week of filming with a stunt person in a mask and they were just like okay yeah we understand now why we need Robert yeah. Englund we better get him back um, I think I think the script was a bit troubled I think the production was a bit troubled um, I think um, certainly New Line who had put so much hope um, on this film performing at somewhere reaching the, the original um, I think that a lot of that was on the line I think I think there were sequences added to give it more a Freddy feel I think the bus sequence at the beginning felt added um, that mm -hmm. felt like a reshoot I don't know if that's true or not I haven't looked I haven't really delved that deep into it um, but yeah I suspect strongly that there was a lot of uh, studio uh, mandated changes that went on with this film um, I, I definitely don't think this is the film they thought they were going to get when they told them to make a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, uh, which is which is great. I, I think I think that's fine. Um, it's 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 um, it's a different take. They certainly went in a different direction, and they were like, okay, so Freddy's done the dream thing. We need to find a way to bring Freddy into the real world. Um, yeah. We better get a whole lot of whale song whenever Freddy's on screen, just just to make sure the kids know this is a dream sequence. Some whale song. You could see uh, them. You could see them having the meeting after the first one when they were agreed they wanted to make a second and see someone like someone saying at that meeting, you know, we don't just want to make this exact same film again. We want to try something different. And then and then <laughs> Let's do something different. A year, like after watching like the, the the preview of this of the final cut of this movie that same person in that in that meeting going uh maybe i was wrong <laughs> maybe we should we should have just made that same movie again my bad my bad my bad my bad <laughs> and uh yeah by the time this film's in the cinemas and they're like it still made money but we could have made more yeah. um we better go back and get some of that original magic so i guess i guess so. by comparison so uh came out came out at the same time of the year comes out in november um and it grossed 30 million on a budget of 3 million 
Um, so it's yeah. slightly so higher, slightly higher budget, slightly higher budget, which is which is you, know, you can see that in some of the some of the effects are a bit more elaborate, but the um, yeah, it, it didn't make it didn't make anything. It made just over half of what the first one made. And there's some yeah, really, and... I think some of that. Um, so I mentioned the effects. A lot of it's a lot of the menace is just not there. It's, it doesn't carry that psychological thing because it doesn't have that have those dream states. It's all it's dreams, but it's 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 all set in reality, and it's a lot yep. of well, a lot of the violence takes place in the waking world. Yeah, were, so and and a lot yeah. of the like I said, like I said, a lot of the the menace is is done through freddie manifesting his effects basically setting things on fire but it's it's a lot of fire it's pretty like a lot of it's quite it's it's not all that scary um the the most notable one is the 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 budgie that that kills the kills the other budgie and then flies around and then and then sits on fire and dies it bursts into flames yeah and then it becomes so it becomes so banal it's just the he's making his and he's it's, pouring it's... his coffee in the morning and the coffee machine is on fire how many more how many more silly things can can just can just sit on sit on fire it's, it's not yeah it's fire not is scary. a big is a big subtext in this so there's a lot of fire in this so i, I think that's meant to play into the hell like freddy's from hell he's a demon like okay okay fine um but um uh, have you seen the movie poltergeist there's a there's a, in poltergeist weird shit happens in the house and the first time it happens that the family is just absolutely terrified of everything and then they finally call in some paranormal investigators from the local university and weird shit is happening the family by this point is just so over mm. it they're just like oh yeah it does that and um uh, and then they're, they're putting things on the floor and it's flying around and they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. It does that. It's totally normal. Yeah, that this this is what you come to expect. And meanwhile, the paranormal investigators are like, "Holy shit, there's ghosts in yeah. this house." Um, so and I think you can yeah. you compare that. You compare someone pouring their coffee in the morning and the coffee machine spontaneously combusts. Compare that, and we didn't talk about this scene in the first one, but the, the perhaps the most uh, menacing and unsettling scene in the whole first movie is the scene where Nancy's in the bath. And the, oh yeah that's a great hand, sequence and the, the hand, hand with comes the knives out, like, comes up oh, that's from, magic. from the water between from the between her legs between her legs yeah uh, it is it is some uh, and then, american and then the mother knocks on the door off. and she wakes up and then the hand disappears yeah. back under the water and it's 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 expert it's so good yeah. it's it's thousand percent like you know this is this is top quality filmmaking yeah it's hundred percent it's it's just just the right level of um kind of it's it's sexual it's torture it's um yeah because her legs are parted yeah. like they're fully akimbo in the bath it's it there's no mod well i mean obviously you can't see anything the, the camera angle is so low and there's foam in the bath yeah. so it's not it's not gratuitous in that way but it, her legs are splayed so his hand for that to come up would have been between her it's it's great yeah it, it, it's full of all of the creepy crawly stuff that you love compare that against the second film super well lit like sitcom level lighting yeah. in a house yeah um, Every, and then yeah, a parakeet really flying bright. around yeah. the room and then bursting in the flames it's like yeah tonally wildly different films just that whole sequence in the bathtub in the first film you know we should have talked about that a bit more but we can you know it's a podcast we're writing this we can do whatever we want <laughs> the, the the whole hand coming out and dragging her underwater and like that is all so good that is that is magic like i know that's filmed in someone's uh pool in the backyard of their house but yeah this is so good um 
but yeah so the director of so the director of the first one is obviously Wes Craven who 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 is a bit of a master of the stuff and even though I don't really think he wanted to be a horror film director just basically made a career of directing thrillers and horrors um notably the Nightmare on Elm Street films but also very notably the Scream films which parody his own films um and uh and this one was directed the second one was directed by a guy no one's really heard of which is jack shoulder hmm. um and jack shoulder has got a uh resume that reads like everything you've ever forgotten you ever watched um but he did make one other film that i really really liked which is called the hidden um which uh stars a, a, a cavalcade of 80s um uh, 80s uh likely candidates uh including um Keith, oh, that's Renegades, sorry. He did also directed Renegades, but uh, the movie I liked was The Hidden, which, uh, oh yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's amazing. Um, it, it's got Carl McLachlan and, and Michael Nouri uh, amongst others, but yeah, it's, it's excellent. Um, yeah, uh, he, 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 he basically goes off to really kind of not do much else of note. But mm. yeah, these Nightmare on Elm Street films are... Um, uh, only get better from number two, in my opinion, before they get much, much worse. So you, so I didn't get to watch three ahead of this, but you, you carried on. You were so enthused with the watching the series. You rewatched three as well. What did you think of that? Yeah, I watched three um, because I, I think we can talk about that in the future. But the, the third one is 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 um, really leans into the dream um, aspect a whole lot more, and the fourth one takes it all the way with reality bending uh, sequences. There's a fantastic time loop sequence in the fourth one which blew my mind when I watched it as a teenager. But yeah. uh, it, it's been a bit done now, obviously, but it was great here, directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, this, the third one's directed by Chuck Russell, who directed The Blob, um, who, would, who would collaborate again with my, uh, Frank Durabount. Um, uh, yeah, l- lots going on, lots of great stuff happening there. Um, uh, and then, the fifth, and then they, they, they make a little, uh, like a trilogy of films that use reuse characters. The third, fourth, and the fifth ones reuse a, a reoccurring okay. character. Um, and it moves forward and the rules are set but by the third one uh they they establish a a a formula and then the fourth and the fifth ones really stick to that formula and then you get to the fifth and sixth films there's so many of these there's a reboot that doesn't have robert england in it but ultimately ultimately this all climaxes the freddy verse collides with jason in freddy versus jason and they have this they have this full-on like who wins freddy versus jason um and it, it, the fans wanted it for years uh freddy is hinted at the end of uh, jason goes to hell like freddy's gloved hand comes up and pulls the mask down into the dirt like it's it's the first major crossover in a film like this it's it's godzilla versus king kong uh with with horror film icons it's 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 magic in a like just terrible way but yeah All right. anyway all right, hey, we should wrap up. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, oh, yeah. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. Um, if you've got a movie... <laughs> Comment below. If you've got a movie you, you want us to talk about, then um, hit us up on the socials. Anything else to add, Craig? Happy Halloween? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back again. We'll be back again next month with, with another movie. Yeah. Well, cool. see you, Mike. Good stuff. Cheers, Craig. Bye, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Craig Saventi, co-host of the podcast. I hope you like the Halloween double feature. So, confession time. Mike and I had a technical problem on the day of recording. Mike didn't have his laptop plugged in and he was running out of battery. So we actually didn't give these films a verging on or wallowing in score. By the time we noticed, Mike told me I could record whatever I liked. So this is what you get, Mike. You'll just have to like it.
These sort of genre films are designed to appeal to a very specific audience and fulfill a shallow need, which is generate box office money. Now, let's just be clear, all cinema does this, and most of these films go about it in the most efficient and base manner possible. Now, this is the part I love about movies. You can be dishing up some real schlock, and yet, despite the cynical nature of the film, you are still managing to get some real meat in there every now and again. But when you put passionate and talented people together under enough pressure, this is often the result. The Nightmare on Elm Street movies represent some excellent filmmaking. They redefined a whole genre of film, and the cultural impact is still being felt to this day. Freddy and Wes Craven would be intertwined forever, and there was no way Wes Craven could have imagined the long-reaching impact these movies would have on pop culture. And for that alone, these films are verging on greatness. Happy Halloween.